Any, uh, I know we've got a few visitors. Some have returned after a few days away or weeks away, months away. Uh, anyone here for the first time? Welcome, guys. Welcome. Welcome. You guys friends with Joe and Dawn? Yeah, I see. They can't escape. I appreciate what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, it's good to see so many faces. Um, can, we, can we just pray once more? Um, just before I speak. Jesus. Lord, you're, you're worthy of all of our surrender. And it's the surrender of all of us. Lord, I ask that you would soften our hearts tonight. That you would allow us to see the ways of your kingdom and the power of your word. And the life, Lord Jesus, that you offer us. Lord, soften our hearts. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right. So we are carrying on with our series on humility. Um, and tonight I'm talking about forgiveness. Um, you know, I, I've mentioned a few times that the sermon series scared me, and this is one of the ones that was a little bit scary as well. Um, I think if I um, ask, if I ask you all, is forgiveness important? You'll all say, yes, well done, good answer, yes. Um, if I ask you whether you all do it perfectly every time, maybe fewer lessons. Yeah. So, <laughs> to forgive is not natural. It's not what our flesh wants to do. It's not often what our minds and our hearts want to do when we get hurt. And so, as with everything to do with humility, <laughs> we are stepping into something that the Lord calls us to and something that we can only do well with Him. It is only possible with him. It's only by his spirit that we can do it. If we are actually going to do it meaningfully and not be a religious people that pretends, yeah, which we have no interest in being. And I, I keep saying to you guys as I preach on humility, not only that I found this difficult series, but often you know, when, I, when I preach, um, I, 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 feel, I feel a real seriousness as I preach, even though I have a real joy as I prepare. And I'm not exactly sure what's going on with that, except I, I, maybe it's just the, the, a weight I feel of the Lord's will over these things. You know, and, and apologies to the guests, you know, who might be here one month and back in six. But you know, in the summer, we are speaking to our church family, and this series... It has been about who we are as a family and who we are as a culture. And this applies, I hope, to every Christian on the planet. But as a culture, 
is this going to define us? Is humility going to define us? And I, I spent two weeks talking about offense and being a people that doesn't take offense. And I mentioned in one of those sermons that we have to forgive. And even as I said that, I knew I would have to come back because it's too big a thing to say in one line or two lines. Because it is absolutely the heart of the gospel. And obviously, forgiveness can be a sermon series in itself, you know, 10, 11 sermons. But I'm really focused on what I believe the Lord wants, wants me to draw out to, that relates to humility. That, that's important for us to, to meditate on tonight. And I'm going to say three things, and I, I don't know how long this will take. We'll just see, okay. But I'm trying to keep it pretty simple. So the first thing is that reflection, reflection and humility, these things are deeply entwined. And they are a reflection of God's kingdom. Okay, I know that's fairly obvious. I know like, we'd all say that, we'd agree with that. But they're a reflection of his heart and they're a reflection of his kingdom. And, and, and humility is, is deeply entwined because for us to seek forgiveness... And for us to give forgiveness, we have to be aware of our own sin. We have to be aware of our own brokenness. We have to be willing to see that about ourselves. And it's the best antidote to religious pride, as we've seen in this series. And it's the greatest gift of humility that we recognize that we are broken and sinful. But God in His grace doesn't leave us there, obviously. And if, if there's one thing that you remember from tonight, from this first thing, and it's the thing that the Lord's been pressing on me um, over the last few weeks, is that forgiveness will always illustrate the kingdom that we represent. And it's one of these things where we are called to forgive and we forgive or we do not forgive and we cannot think that when we do not forgive that we are still representing the kingdom of God because we are not. Unforgiveness will always be a part of the kingdom of Satan. And I wish I could say that in a nicer, gentler way and I will come back and try and say it, but I want to hit it hard up front, okay? That if we forgive, if we release forgiveness, we are always a part of the kingdom of God. We're always following this majestic example that Jesus gives us. And when we choose not to, we are stepping outside of his kingdom. I'll come back to that and put some grace around that, but I wanted it to be strong first time out. Psalm 86.5, the psalmist says this, For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. And this is one of the great things about the heart of our Father. When we read John 3.16, you know, the Apostle John, he doesn't write, and God finally relented to do something about humanity. Well, God kind of liked the world, so he thought maybe I'll do something because I'm compassionate. John says that God so loved the world that he gave his son. that he gave this thing that cost him so much and cost Jesus so much. And again, Jesus is our, exa our example of humility, this giving up of everything for those who are so unworthy. 
And so this, this model of forgiveness is deep and it's unconditional. And this is the nature of his kingdom. Paul says in Colossians 2, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having, given, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul writes, In him we have re redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. Not half-hearted, lavish, abundant forgiveness, reconciliation, the cleansing of our sins by his blood. And we always have this choice when we are faced with forgiveness that we can do it begrudgingly or we can do it abundantly. And sometimes we will struggle even with doing it at all. And I will come back to that. But Jesus calls us to a standard. And as a church family and as individuals, we don't get to pick and choose the parts of the gospel that we like. And so I can't hold a prayer meeting and ask the Holy Spirit's presence to come and for us to experience more of him and to see more miracles and to see the wonders of his kingdom and hold unforgiveness in my heart. I don't get to pick and choose. No, I can't do that. It's just going to be a lot less effective. <laughs> if I truly want his kingdom, then I must live by the standards of his kingdom and I must humble myself before the standards of his kingdom. And one of those standards is forgiveness. If we want his peace and if we want his presence, we must be a people who forgives. We have this wonderful story in Luke 7. I'm not going to read, I'm just going to read the, the, the few verses of it where, you know, we, and we know this one well where Jesus' feet are, are, are cleaned by a sinful woman and he is criticized. He knows the thoughts of the religious leaders at the table with him. And this is what Jesus says to them. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And other times as we've looked at humility and offense and things in this series, we've seen the, this, this false religion, this religious pride, and how opposed it is to the ways of Jesus. And the reality here that Jesus paints is that you can have someone who's far more sinful when you're looking at her with human eyes. But she will experience the love of Jesus and she'll experience more of the love of Jesus and she will have peace. But if we are proud and if we think we got things right and we, and we hide our sinfulness and we hide our unforgiveness, then we will love little because we will meet little love because we're not giving Jesus the space to actually meet us. And I know that we want to meet Jesus in this place.
So again, humility, it allows us to see our brokenness. It allows us to experience the full weight of Jesus' love. And as much as I say, and I'm going to say this again now in this next section, as much as I say that this is a requirement of our faith, there's also this kindness in the way that Jesus operates, that as we step into forgiveness, as we meet Jesus and we meet his love and he responds to our attempts to forgive, we will experience more of him. We will experience more of this majestic God that we worship. And that actually enables even further forgiveness. It becomes easier to represent him when we are experiencing him. So it reflects his heart, and the second thing, and it's present to this a bit more, is that it is a requirement. So we all know the Lord's Prayer, but I'm going to read it anyway. Okay. Jesus teaches his disciples to pray in this manner. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Those are pretty sobering words. And isn't it amazing? I find this really interesting because this is an incredible prayer and books upon books upon books have been written about this prayer. Jesus says these words, and he chooses to emphasize only one part of it at the end, the forgiveness part. And he, we don't know why, except maybe it's because it's the most difficult. But it's the one thing he emphasizes, and it's categorical. If you want to be forgiven, then you must forgive. There's no wiggle room there, people. And there's a second parable. Again, we know this well. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But we have the parable of the steward, the unjust steward. This man who was taken before the king because he owed 10,000 talents to the king. So to put that into perspective, depending on which theologian you're talking to or reading, somewhere around about two. 100,000 years of work. And most people live, work, work for about 40 to 50 years. 200,000. Completely and absolutely unattainable. And we know that the king, scripture tells us, is moved with compassion. And he doesn't just give what the man asks, which is patience. Please allow me to work this off, which obviously is absurd. The king has compassion and forgives the debt. But we see in him a heart that lacks humility. And it's exposed in the second half of the story. 
But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat. Notice the violence here. Saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison until he should pay the debt. So when his fellow stewards saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. And Jesus finishes with the words, So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Again, it's pretty categorical. And when, you know, I don't like this parable, obviously. <laughs> I don't want to be handed over to torturers if I struggle to forgive. Jesus, we know Jesus is kind and he is compassionate on so many occasions, but there's some of these parables, they hit hard. And he wants us to take them seriously. But part of the reason I don't, I don't like this is I see myself in the steward. I, I recognize what it is to be under pressure, and I, and I can see myself not remembering the grace of the king, but the stress and the anguish and the vulnerability that I felt before him who could throw me into prison and sell all my possessions and my children and my wife. And I, and I understand that reaction. Here's someone who owes me money. He has a little bit of security. I need that security. And Jesus says, no. No. Because Jesus sets this astronomical number, 200,000 years of labor. This is what we have been forgiven. This is what the Father has forgiven us. He's asking us for a little bit back to forgive others. A little bit. As a little aside, if any of you think that you can work your way into God's grace and mercy... That's a really good number to think about, how long it would take you to get there. Jesus is an extravagant number. You'll never do it. So Jesus, again, is clear. If we want to be forgiven, we have to forgive. And now I, I, Jesus doesn't give any qualifications, but we know that we know the heart of our Father is gracious. I know that I'm carrying unforgiveness in my heart. I'm sure a lot of us are, at some level. He is gracious. And this is one of, those, one of the, 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 the calls that Jesus makes on us when I want to be like the disciples and say, how is that possible? And Jesus would say, well, with the Lord, all things are possible. With the Spirit, all things are possible. With the Spirit, we can actually be a people that forgives that is characterized by forgiveness, that absolutely prioritizes and privileges forgiveness because we know that the Spirit of God loves it. And what I have seen on so many occasions is that the Lord is patient with my unforgiveness and He gives me time to forgive. And on so many occasions... 
I think all the Father asks us to do is to say, Lord, I recognize how much you value forgiveness. And I say, yes. I say, yes to your requirement. But my heart is wrecked and I can't do this. So I'm saying yes, and you're going to have to do the work. The best I've got is a yes. The best I've got is that I will position myself to agree with your standard. And I believe that that is the thing that he asks of us. And no matter what the pain is, that's somewhere where the Lord can lead us, to just say that first yes. And it might be instantaneous. I've shared it testimony. I don't have time to share that story. I have experienced the instantaneous healing of the Lord. Where, where, where pain and grief and anger and hate were just stripped out of me in a miracle. And I've had a five or six year process where my heart has been hard and the Lord has gently softened me. He is gracious, but his standard is clear. Forgive. And I would talk about this more if this was you know, a whole series on, on forgiveness. Um, but to, to remind us, forgiving is never saying that what someone has done is okay or acceptable. What we are doing is we're giving up the right for revenge. We're giving that to Jesus. We're giving up justice to the righteous judge. That's what we're doing. And we're releasing that person, that situation, that institution into his hands. The more that I've, I've thought about this, it's just, maybe there's no truer expression of humility than forgiveness. Laying down our flesh, laying down our will, laying down our rights, laying down our entitlements, and saying, Jesus, your way and your will be done. So the third thing is that this is a spiritual reality. Forgiveness is transactional. Okay. Now, maybe this is one place where I move away from humility the most, but I just think it's absolutely essential for us as we think about the why of humility and forgiveness. When Paul is writing to the Corinthians, the Second Corinthians chapter 2, there's a situation going with, a, with an individual, and, and Paul talks about forgiving this person and how the church has forgiven him, and he's going to forgive. And Paul writes in um, verse 11, he says this, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Unforgiveness is part of the kingdom of Satan. And the fruit of the kingdom of Satan is bitterness and division and hatred, unrighteous anger, rejection and shame and isolation and so many other things. But I've seen these manifest so often in my own heart through unforgiveness and I've seen them in people around me. Unforgiveness is not neutral. And the reality is, the devil is a legalist. If we do not forgive, he will take the right to oppress us. 
he will build strongholds. He will allow bitterness and hatred and anger and disunity to flourish because our unforgiveness allows him that access. And when we choose humility, when we choose to go low and surrender to Jesus and forgive, it's a spiritual act that places the blood of Christ over us, that removes the enemy's right to oppress us. It is deeply transactional at the spiritual level. Well, that spiritual level will impact on the physical. So I've told this story before. Some of you are new and won't have heard this, but um, it's, it's, I'm, I'm going to tell it again because it's, it's, it's still the most powerful story that I have in my, in my life about the relationship between forgiveness and evil. Um, I'll say, I'll tell it, I'll shorten version, but um, this, this was in England, um, and um, my father, my wife, and I, we were praying for a woman in our church, um, uh, the wife of one of the elders in the church, an amazing Christian woman. Um, think of Susie, think of Pam, think of Melissa, um, a woman in, well, I might get in trouble now. I should say, you know, late 40s. Um, but <laughs> she's probably in her 50s at the time. Um, just an amazing woman. And, and a woman who spoke regularly into my life, prophetically, just a great gift to us. And um, we, in our church, we had this, we, you know, we do prayer at the frontier, um, but we had, we had groups that would meet during the week, and if you wanted prayer at any time, you just go get prayer. And a lot of us fell in love with praying um, and this was prayers of repentance. And we fell in love with it because we realized that if we actually repented of things and forgave people of things, we got free. And freedom felt really good. So it became quite addictive. And so we, we got together and, and we were praying for this, this woman. And um, one of us had a prophetic word. And this is what we did. You know, we asked the Holy Spirit, is there anything that he wanted to do? This was really about him moving. And, and Lord, is there anything? And and I can't remember if it was my wife or my dad, but one of them had a, had a word which they shared with her. And it was a word that had to do with um, un unforgiveness and a hardness in her heart, which was already kind of weird because she had the softest heart of anyone that I knew. Um, and she started to weep. And weep and weep. And... Um, and then when she had kind of sobered up, she proceeded to tell us about her upbringing um, and how she had been um, raped regularly by her father and her uncle and another uncle, I believe, and her grandfather. So the, the men in her life that were supposed to be her guardians, her protectors, uh, abused her. Um, if I remember correctly, something from about like the age of six to 15. That's like the worst story you could probably hear. I'm sitting in what I thought was going to be a really just easy prayer meeting, and she says this. And we're all taken aback. The only person she'd ever told in her life was her husband. 
the only other person in the world who knew was her mother. And so, this was one, this was actually what was quite funny about this was, this was a prayer session where I was leading the group because it was kind of like a training session for me. So I was leading it and my dad was like just part of the team. <laughs> it's like, come on Lord, that's not funny. Um, and so we prayed again. And there's times where the Lord asks you to do things which are quite difficult, you know. And, and this, is, this is in like my top two, probably, ever, was, was when the Holy Spirit said, you need to tell her to forgive. Which I have no right to do. I have no right. I have no idea the level of pain that she has experienced. But I know that's what the Holy Spirit's asking. And I know that she is a woman who is so incredibly humble. Loves God. And so she says, I will. And the reason I'm telling this story to do with spiritual transactions is because um, up to this point, I had seen eh, maybe three people manifest, um, full-on manif- like demonic manifestations, um, which are really kind of weird and you know, spiritually powerful. Um, I'd been in several several um, prayer meetings where there have been a lot of you know, spiritual activity. But bar one, the, one other experience I had about 10 years after this, this is the second strongest sense I, that I'd ever had of evil. And what was remarkable was from the moment the, word, the words left her when she said, I will... An evil presence just fell into the room. And it was absolutely tangible. And it, and it took my breath away, and I, I didn't know what to do, because I'm new at this. And so I turned and looked at my dad. And my dad just put his hand and just said, wait. And the... The sheer weight of evil is really hard to describe. Um, but you, you know, you've all been in situations where something bad happens, or you've sensed something evil. I know, Joe, you've seen a lot of this, and and you just the whole atmosphere around you is just charged with a sense of sin and evil and pain and anger. And my dad said, "Wait." And it was so clear in that moment that the enemy. And what he had done to this woman had caused such, such damage. The level of evil was just a representation of the sin against her. And what was also really apparent was how scared the enemy was of her forgiving. That he would put on this display of intimidation. And then what was absolutely and so astoundingly glorious was that she just said In the name of Jesus, I forgive. And as she said that, it disappeared as fast as it had come. Just, boom, gone. Incredible. A spiritual transaction took place as soon as she said those words. I don't know if a horde of angels came through the room. I don't know if the Holy Spirit did something. I don't know like what's actually happening in the spiritual realm. I don't know. But what I do know is that those little words, those words had spiritual power and she had every right to scream at me 
and to scream at God when he said, would you forgive? But she chose humility. And she was already an amazing woman of God, and she was absolutely transformed after that. Her prophetic gifting went through the roof. Her peace went through the roof. I mean, it was just, her marriage blossomed. It was incredible. We mustn't lose sight of the fact that when we forgive, we are participating in something that is absolutely heavenly. We're taking the kingdom of God and we're superimposing it on the natural order and even on the spiritual order of Satan. And we're saying that that kingdom, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, Father. I'm going to step into your will. I'm going to humble myself and be obedient to you. So two more scriptures, which are so wonderful and represent God's heart to us and what Paul calls us to. From Colossians 3, reading from verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. This incredible progression of humility and kindness and love, it binds us together and rules, allows Christ's peace to rule in us. In Ephesians 4, Paul writes in verse 30 to 32, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another. As God in Christ forgave you. A few times in this sermon series as I've talked about humility and I've read scripture and I've been amazed at how well so many of you do these things. There are so many people I think embody humility in this place. And I think there's so many of you that embody love and forgiveness so well in this place. So, you know, I'm not... This is not like we're going in completely the wrong direction, the Lord's chastising us. This is not a chastisement at all. This is the Lord saying, will you embed this even deeper in who you are? Will kingdom life be a culture of forgiveness? Will it be a church family where forgiveness manifests? Will we represent God's kingdom? And be obedient to our God in humility. And will we forgive? So can we pray? We have a few minutes. I'm pretty sure some of us have someone to forgive. (laughs) But let us pray. Um, I also sensed... um, that the Holy Spirit is, 
going to ask some of you to, this is a strange one, but he's, I think he's going to ask some of you to forgive yourselves. Okay? And I think that there is, um, there is shame that he wants you to not carry anymore. So let, let, let's pray and just see what he says. Amanda might have something as well. We'll see. Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that before we even think about your call to forgive, that we remember the sacrifice that you made, that you gave up all things to die on the cross. That Forgiving isn't just a response to a command that you give us, although it is a command, Lord, but it's a response already to the love that you have shown us, to the forgiveness that you've shown us. It's the just king that you have wiped 10,000 talents of debt away from us. And Lord, I, I know... I know that your heart is compassionate and merciful and you are always quick to forgive. We only have to ask forgiveness for our own sins and we are forgiven. We only have to issue forgiveness, Lord, and you will forgive. But Lord, we, we, we need the, the healing power of your spirit and the peace of your kingdom. So, Lord, even where we, we struggle to know how to forgive, I ask that you would meet us. That you'd meet us even if we can only say, Lord, I don't know how, but I'm willing to be obedient to you. Fill me with your forgiveness. Fill me with your power to forgive. Jesus isn't even asking us to meet him halfway. He, he'll meet us 99.9% .9 of the way. Will we, will we just lean our hearts towards him and his, his way of forgiveness? So Holy Spirit, will you, just, will you speak and just point out if there's someone, something that we have not forgiven, Lord? Would you highlight it to us now? I also just sense the Holy Spirit saying that um, there's nothing that's too small 